This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. Your best insight into Utah Jazz basketball and the NBA in Utah. For the next two hours, it's nothing but NBA conversation from the local front to around the association. Now let's get things rolling with Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome everyone into the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700. My name is Andy Larson. I'm the managing editor of saltcityhoops.com. We are the ESPN True Hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. As always, Ben Dowsett joins us. Ben, thank you for coming back after after a week away. But Dan, Dan took your place comfortably, but it's good to have you back. It's more comfortable. It's just it's more, <laughs> it's comfortable. I hear I haven't had a chance to listen yet, but I heard great things about the show last week. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I mean, well, I I think I think it went well. I yeah. mean, it, Dan's Dan's a good guy. Another one of our Salt City Hoops writers, and yeah. As far as this time of the year, he might be. Uh, if at least as useful, if not more useful than me, because he's more he's more in tune with the cat minutiation. Not that I'm not. Well, yeah, but Dan is an expert. Don't tell everyone out there that. No, right? I know. Um, no. So anyway, we are the ESPN Troop affiliate of the Utah Jazz, like I said. Um, and right now is a very important time in Jazzland. Obviously, it's the second day of the NBA free agency period, uh, and and deals are flying everywhere except for in Utah. It seems. Yeah. So, uh, we want to go ahead and bring on Nate Duncan right away. Nate Duncan is, uh, is one of the best follows on NBA Twitter, does a fantastic podcast every day for Real GM, uh, and, and is just a spectacular gentleman all, all in all. We're going to have him on the show to talk about free agency as well as the Jazz's role in it. As always, if you want to interact with us on the show, please feel free to tweet us at Andy B. Larson, at Ben underscore Dowsett, or heck, if you have questions for Nate, Feel free to tweet him at Nate Duncan NBA. Nate, are you on the line? We're waiting a sec on Nate, I think. Early enough to hear you call me a spectacular gentleman, which is maybe one of the highest compliments <laughs> I, I've ever received. Uh, so thank you. So thank you for that. You know, uh, I, I, and uh, it's good to be on again. I've only had one dinner with you, but that's enough to say safely say spectacular <laughs> gentleman. Well, I'm, I'm also a much nicer when I'm stuffing my face with Cheesecake Factory. I think that <laughs> applies to basically everyone in the world. So, <laughs> well, well, let's go ahead and, and start looking at um, this kind of free agency period. And I want to start kind of with the local focus with the Utah Jazz. I listened to your guys' podcast, you and Danny's podcast, about kind of previewing the different free agent uh, approaches that different teams would take. You looked at the Jazz for about 15 minutes. And you were kind of throwing out all these big names like Danny Green, like Chris Middleton. And, and instead, the Jazz have you know, kind of actively sat out of the market, actively going after nobody, choosing to develop their young guys. Do you think that's the right way to go? You know, I certainly understand that viewpoint. And the reason is that they have probably almost more guys even, assuming that Trey Burke and Dante Exum still have to play and that Alex Burke still has to play, you know, all guys that they've made big commitments to in terms of draft picks or, in Burke's case, money as well. Uh, and they believe in those guys. They want them to develop. They don't necessarily want to block them. On the other hand, this offseason offers a unique opportunity because you've got basically the cap is going to be going up to where, you know, basically any $15 million contract for, a, you know, a very good player, is going to be, you know, market value, if not even like somewhat below market, once it goes up to 90 million and then even beyond that in subsequent years. 
So this is a unique opportunity to acquire an asset that if you have that same $15 million next year or the year after that, doesn't buy you nearly as much. So that's the reason why I thought that even though the Jazz don't necessarily need someone, and maybe you could say, you know, they shouldn't go $15 million, they should leave Trevor Booker. I understand that view. You know, I think that his contract is a value contract for this coming year, uh, but, you know, not so many other contract beyond this year. That's why I advocated doing it. And then, you know, at the very least, you have a trade asset. It, it's, that money is something that you are not going to be able to use later, so they should kind of get while the getting's good is the thinking. This this has kind of been my line of thinking as far as this goes. Now, do, do you, for you at least, Nate, would that same line apply now that, you know, the, a lot of the marquee guys are, are pretty well gone. A lot of the sort of more impact-free agents you could look at. Would you be interested if you were the Jazz in the right sort of a quote-unquote salary dump type deal to use that space while you still have it for to retain some type of an asset? Or if you're at this point with the Jazz, would you almost kind of just maybe sign one or two sort of lower-level guys and kind of roll things over? Yeah, you know, I think if they could even get at this point, you know, that space is still an asset. You know, it's still worth something. It should be used. I think probably, you know, the Jazz aren't winning a championship next year. They could make a lower-run playoff uh, appearance. And I know that really, you know, since 2010 or so, the Jazz essentially haven't been in the playoffs. You know, they had that one year uh, with the, the Al Jefferson Millsap year. They just got swept immediately. So when you consider that, I know there's a local appetite for getting into the playoffs. But with that said, I think maybe, you know, using that $15 million in space on someone like David Lee, you know, maybe you could move a couple of non-guaranteed contracts back to Golden State, and, you know, maybe you might move on from Booker or even be able to take Lee in. Lee would actually would be a fine third big for Utah this year. Maybe someone who could be flipped again at the deadline or Booker could be flipped as well. I mean, and pick up a first-round a first round pick from Golden State and even uh, Kevon Looney, who might end up being, you know, someone who could compete as a bench stretch four eventually with Trey Lyles. Uh, that might be a good way to use it. Uh, you know, to take, I mean, he's, that's just about kind of the only like dead quote unquote salary that's out there. I mean, I would have, it would have been great for them to get in on that Sacramento mm-hmm. uh, trade potentially, but, you know, they're, they have other designs in that space. I don't think they were willing to punt on it so early, like two years ago. But yeah, I see that. But and or maybe you know going a smaller move, someone like Mirza Toledovich might still be out there who could help them in the short term as a stretch four. But you know with all the good guys they have now, just signing guys, there's not really that many guys out there who are really upgrades than what they already have for the rotation this year at this point. When especially when you consider that they have guys they want to develop still. Yeah, and and I'll tell you kind of their argument there is you know sure we could go after a a Toledovich, a Bellinelli, a Delon or sorry Darrell Wright sort of type, uh, but then they're not sure that those are are significant upgrades over you know the Joe Ingles or or the Trevor Booker's or the Trey Lyles of the world, and you know maybe they give you a little bit of of a different look, but they the the Jazz feel that they can develop with from within with those guys and you know maybe make Trevor Booker the shooter that he was for the second half of last season rather than the first half. Uh, ditto with Joe Ingles. Ditto with Rodney Hood. And, and so honestly, they feel like maybe by signing some of those players, they'd be uh, kind of taking away minutes even from those kind of middle tier guys who they still really like who are on the roster. Yeah, that that makes sense. And you know the number one place that they could upgrade for this year would be getting a more veteran point guard type in there, especially someone who can really score off the dribble. 
and shoot the ball from the backcourt because, you know, if it really seems like, especially Trey Burke, you know, keeps playing at the same level as last year, I know they want to develop Exum, but, you know, if those guys are looking more like 15, 20 minute game guys and you just need more production at point guard, that would have been great. But who's out there who fits that bill? Actually, someone who you don't want to commit to someone like that for more than one year. So, I mean, I, I do think they should sign somebody or, uh, you know, if they're not going to kind of take go the dead money route, um, because that would enable them to, uh, to to at least use that space. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that probably using it on the dead money is a better idea than using that space and then maybe flipping someone later on to a contender or something. Uh, you know, so, I mean, yeah, if you could just pick up, like, even – Another first-round pick or someone like Looney for David Lee or, you know, I'm not really sure what else is out there. Anything come to mind for you as far as, like, who might be a salary dump at this point? Well, not immediate. I think Lee is obviously the big elephant in the room when you're talking salary dumps. You, you mentioned just a second ago point guards. I, I wanted to ask you about, just to slightly change the topic, I wanted to ask about there is one other avenue to potentially obtain players, and that's through the trade route. And it, it does seem, at this point, more obviously way more unlikely than likely that something like that happens. But say, for instance, we know Sacramento is foolishly making their big push here at, at Rajon Rondo. And if that were to end up happening, and maybe they, they didn't value someone like Darren Collison so highly, is that the t- he's been a name that I've seen mentioned on my Twitter timeline every now and then as a guy who, you know, he's not quite good enough to where he would demand starter minutes over over Dante Exum right away. The two could play together for periods of time, and then in a couple years, if Exum is the guy you hope he is by then, then Collison comes off the books and he can either resign as a backup or you can go in a different direction. Is that a guy you might sort of look at if, as you mentioned, if maybe the organization is a little further along with Trey Burke and maybe considering that he might not be a future piece? Yeah, maybe. I, I think, so. Uh, I think, that if they sign Rondo, like Collison is actually still better than him. I guess they're not going to see it that way. And yeah. <laughs> Rondo might also just be on a short-term one-year deal as well, and Collison's under contract for a number uh, a year after that. And they're going to need more experience in shooting. Uh, you know, if they're going the cap space route, the Kings to kind of fill out their depth. So I wouldn't necessarily see that, but I think that's sort of on the right track. But again, you know, is he really good enough to where the incremental upgrade to him over those other guys is worth? You know their development time. I mean, especially with Burke, this is the year where he's got to start making some inroads, or you're going to really have to just you know, he's not going to be a part of the long term plan anymore. I don't think so. But, you know, you got to at least give him 20 minutes a game. Axum obviously needs his 20 minutes a game, and then you know what, what else is there really uh, beyond that? So, and and really, you know, if this team is looking like it's really going to get in there and point guard continues to be an open sore, they have so many assets that they could just you know. Uh, get in on someone later in the year if it's looking like point guard still is kind of a problem. Yeah, or Jose Calderon, that just got suggested on Twitter by sporadic regularity to us, and that almost sort of fills both those in a slight way. He almost counts as a salary dump from the Knicks, although you know you never know if the Knicks even need that at this point, but then he could play backup, fill in at backup point minutes. So yeah, that, that's yeah I, I don't like him as much because he's older and then he's also under contract for another year after this one yeah. when I think the Jazz will really be you know, in 2016, they'll be trying to make a splash because their their team salary is not going to go up hardly at all. Uh, they don't have any guys like they did this, you know, last year, whose uh, you know extensions are going to be kicking in for 2016. So you know, they really only have about 37 million committed to what's this really good roster. And then you know, when you consider some of the rookie options, they could have 
almost $40 million in space next year, if they really look good this year, you know, maybe they can get someone who's like a, a difference maker with a full max salary uh, next year if they are get into the playoffs. And that's actually another reason why you might say, hey, we should try and really go for it a little bit more this year uh, to make the playoffs, get ourselves really into that conversation with free agents, especially because it's starting to seem like the whole you know, market thing, it doesn't matter as much to a lot of these guys as winning, uh, especially since you can kind of make your money uh, from afar with national endorsements much more than you could in past years. I mean, if, if people are going to go to Oklahoma City, Greg Monroe goes to Milwaukee, you know, why can't they go to Utah if it's looking like a winning organization? Absolutely. We've got Nate Duncan on the line at Nate Duncan NBA. So, Nate, I, I guess my question is then, you know, do you – that $24 million or so in cap space that they'll have next season, do you see anything that – is that kind of the time where you would use that cap space and, and say, you know, hey, someone's going to be taking that. We can we can get the information on the young guys. You know, if, if Trey Burke continues to struggle, make, maybe you make a move there. Um, if, you know, Rodney Hood isn't turns out to be the player he was at the first half of the season rather than the last half of the season, maybe you make a, an upgrade at the wing position uh, and then – kind of use that space either at the trade deadline or, or in next summer, the summer of 2016? Yeah, I, I think that's an, another option. And there are going to be a lot more people available then. Also, of course, there's going to be a lot more competition because everybody's going to have space. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think I would, at this point, I would not want to sign someone for beyond this year. I'm not sure who is out there that you really think, okay, this guy is going to be a part of it when the Jazz are really contending two years, three, three years from now, as you, you might think of would be the plan. So, yeah, I wouldn't want to necessarily be encumbered. That's why the whole salary dump David Lee sort of analysis it seems like it's a little bit more palatable now than it might have been at the start of free agency when you could have potentially gotten someone like, you know, Carroll. You could have gotten Chris Middleton, maybe maxed him out on an offer sheet, that sort of thing. Um you know, get someone who could grow with this team. I don't think that that player is really left anymore at this point. You know, so I wouldn't want to have commit more than maybe like five to seven million dollars in uh, future salary beyond this year at this point. Right. Okay. I, th- I think that's a pretty fair assessment of where the Jazz are at, at least right now. Like, you could certainly wonder whether they may have wanted to make more inroads earlier, and of course they may have. We may not even know. They may- the Jazz are notoriously tight-lipped, although Dennis Lindsay did say today that they kind of didn't really make it much exploration on the wing market. No, it's not like they were you know, flying out to guys' home markets and yeah. trying to make these signings. They were you know, talking to the agents, trying to see if, if they could get good deals on, on players and, and, quite frankly, that wasn't going to happen in this year's free agent market. Right. But transitioning just yeah, a little I, bit, Nate. Oh, sorry, did you have one more? Yeah, no, no, I was just going to say, I mean, and, you know, maybe they're just like what they heard was, you know, there's no way my guy's going to Utah no matter how much you offer. I, I don't know that that's the case. But, you know, even the idea of getting in on some of those guys, even if you offer a lot, you know, you are giving up Booker at that point. So, you know, I mean, I don't mean to say that they just, like, cooked some huge opportunity and this is a massive mistake. You know, it's kind of more of a 60-40 type of thing for me, and I certainly understand the viewpoint that they adopted. Definitely. All right. Well, let's transition just a little bit. Let's go to a uh, spend a few minutes just on kind of a, a larger national uh, look at this. Give us your best and your worst free agency signing so far that you've got and sort of a, a brief reason why. All right. Well, 
I'm going to leave out for the best, the best, you know, guys who signed as restricted free agents because mm-hmm. their teams had an additional amount of leverage over them. Someone like Chris Middleton for five years, seventy million, I think, is going to be an excellent contract as the cap goes up. But the Bucks are smart to move quickly on him because I think he would have gotten maxed out ultimately. Uh, I got to go with Danny Green. I mean, he's, he is 28, but getting him in this market where you saw finally. Three and D guys really getting paid, uh, you know, earlier even through higher scores like Monte Ellis. You know, five years ago, Monte Ellis gets paid like much earlier than Demari Carroll does, mm-hmm. and now those guys are pretty similar ages, and you see Carroll get paid uh, more than Monte Ellis does, and that's right. Carroll is a better player than Ellis because he plays defense and he spaces the floor, neither of which Ellis does. So, uh, but I think Danny Green, looking at that context of what those guys are getting paid. Getting him for really about 11 million a year, four years instead of five years, as well. You know, not paying for that fifth year that uh, he they might have been forced to when he'll be 33 and might be a little overpaid on that deal. Uh, also, you know, getting him to agree early and you know not and then play ball with his smaller cap hold so they can fit in Aldridge. Then Spurs getting Green definitely the big winners. They have this like Jedi mind trick ability yeah. uh, with their guys to get them to take a little less now. It seems like, you know, Tim Duncan now, too. I mean, whatever Tim Duncan signed for, you know, $6 million or whatever it's going to be, like, that will be the best signing, too. He's still a yeah. $10 million player if he really were on the open market. Yeah, that's crazy. All right, we're signing. Um, Aaron Baines for the full mid-level to Detroit, that's pretty bad. I mean, he I, I don't think of him as really a rotation quality big. Uh, you know, he got just lit up in game one uh, by Blake Griffin, who lit up a lot of people, granted. But, you know, I think he doesn't really block any shots. You know, kind of a tough guy, rebounder, but not really going to score. Not a great pick-and-roll finisher either. You know, I think if Detroit is looking at him as their backup center, Monroe place, replacement, you know, I, I just don't really like that feel that much, especially in terms of the number of years, considering he's 27, now you're going to pay him until he's 30, and he's not an athletic guy. Already, that one comes to mind. I, I would have hoped, I, you know, this deal is not so bad of an overpay. You know, and, and we talk about, by the way, these players' ages. NBA players really peak between 25 and 27, maybe 28. So when you're talking about someone who you're getting a deal at 28, getting a deal at 29, you're now they're on the downside. You have to price in that they're going to decline over the life of the contract. Omer Oshik in New Orleans at age 29. What's basically a four-year, $45 million deal with incentives. He has a non-guaranteed fifth year on there that he'll probably never realize. I just would hope that they could get someone a little bit more creative in there. He's a little bit better offensive player than Oshik, especially with, you know, Oshik is not someone who's going to make Alvin Gentry's offense sing in any shape or form. You know, he's basically a screener and an offensive rebounder on offense, and that's about it. And so, yeah, that, that was just a little disappointing that they had about $9 million in space and they decided, you know, they weren't going to be able to get someone. And maybe that's true, but I just, you know, four more years of him, I, I would have hoped that maybe they might do a little better there. Yeah, that's fair enough. Definitely fair enough. Now, before we let you go here, thank you again. So, and guys, this is Nate Duncan at Nate Duncan NBA on Twitter, a must follow. Um, this is something that, that Zach Lowe noted in a PC road, and I think everybody who has been paying a close eye to this has been kind of noticing, is that um, we we went into this, and you guys, you and, and Danny LaRue and Dan Feldman and several others on your podcast, discuss, you did a, a fake mock free agency, which, by the way, was excellent, and everyone should go listen to it. Um, one of the things you discuss is a lot of short-term deals potentially being signed by guys who wanted to double-dip 
back into the huge free agency back in 2016 or 2017 to get higher paid. We haven't seen as much of that. Do you find that a little surprising? And maybe why do you think that is? I don't find it surprising. You know, in that mock, we did have more guys taking the short-term deal so that they could get paid again next year when basically the cap is going up by almost uh, 30% or so, 25, 30%, depending on how things fall. Uh, but it's not that surprising because especially you have either guys, Love is a guy who's really struggled with injuries. I mean, he's had basically, you know, two healthy years out of the last five. And, you know, it's been great in those two years, but, you know, hasn't, hasn't played that many games in those other years. So maybe he really wanted the security and he did at least get a fifth year player option. Uh, Aldridge, all reports are that he's going to be going for, uh, the maximum four years he can get it, assuming he doesn't return to Portland. And, He's 29, you know, so maybe he's doing as I was injured last year. I don't know how I'm going to play. You know, I want to also be somewhere where they can fit in some more pieces around me as I age. You know, I want to hone in on a place and not potentially go elsewhere again next year. So I certainly understand people wanting to go for the longer-term deals, especially, too, because, you know, the marginal value of money decreases as you get more of it, right? You know, so maybe it just... Those dollars from twenty million to twenty-five million don't matter as much as the dollars from five to ten million do, or fifteen to twenty million do. And so guys are like, hey, you know, if I'm making twenty million, uh, that's good enough for me. So I think just the combination of the age and potential injuries has kind of made guys be a little bit more risk-averse than we might have anticipated, but certainly understandable. Nate, last question, just because it broke on Twitter just three or four minutes ago. Mark Stein reporting that oh, the Sacramento Kings have offered Wesley Matthews a three-year deal in the $45 million range. Uh, you he know, did something right, maybe. Well, do you think of. that's a good move? Because I, I don't. I, with the, the histories of, uh, of Achilles injuries, I, I don't know if I pay that sort of money for, for Wes Matthews long-term. Well, it's a good move in the very microscopic view of where they are this moment. Obviously, giving up all those assets to move on from Landry and Thompson and open up $25 million in space was not a good move, especially when they could have gotten pretty close to that amount by just stretching those guys and, you know, not giving up Nick Skouskis, not giving up, uh, who's, a, you know, still a decent prospect. He was the number eight pick just a year ago. You know, another first-rounder. Those pick spots could end up hurting them as well. Yeah. So, and now also they're in the context of we have to spend this and there's not really that many people left. Like, What's Matthews, I would say at the very least, is other than maybe someone like Tobias Harris in the restricted market, uh, who actually would be a pretty decent fit next to Cousins, but they just drafted Willie Collie Stein. Uh, you know, what's Matthews is probably the highest upside guy remaining if he can return from that Achilles. And the other good news is that it's only three years instead of four. Uh, if it were four years, $60 million, then maybe you might think it's, it's you know, really, really bad. Uh, and that's also the three years that DeMarcus Cousins is still under contract mm-hmm. for. So, you know, if need be, and he ends up just leaving after that time, they can hit the reset button again. I'm sure they're not even thinking about that, you know, with the, with the short-term thinking that they've showed, but at least just looking ahead. So, yeah, it, the fact that it's only three years makes me feel a little better about it than if, if it were four years, but that's in the microscopic view of, hey, we spent all this money, now we uh, to, or we spent all these assets to open up this money, now we have to use it. Right. right now. Uh, so, 
Yeah, I mean, and I, I would bet you that he probably doesn't even go there still. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, Stein's, win, Stein know? right after said, but ESPN sources say Dallas is a preferred destination and that the Mavs are still favorites to land him. So you're probably, you, you'd hit that straight on. You're probably right. Yeah, well, and you know what? Like, that smacks of just, there's this $12 million versus $15 million gap for Matthews with Dallas that was reported by Tim McMahon a couple of days ago. Now that $15 million is showing up on the market. You know, I'm guessing the Kings probably didn't leak that. You know, yeah. Matthew's agent probably did. And now he's going to turn around to Dallas and say, hey, uh, match this offer and we're yours. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. All right, well, Nate, thanks. we got to go to a break. But, again, thank you for joining us. Will you, will you tell everyone where we can hear your work or see your work? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter at NateDuncanNBA and in the, my link there, uh, on my bio is to the Dunked on Basketball podcast, which we do uh, basically every night, you know, during the season and, and playoffs and free agency. Uh, you know, it comes up uh, in the morning. We record late at night, Pacific Coast time. And uh, hopefully, hopefully you guys will give it a listen. And uh, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem, Nate. Thanks again for joining us. All right, well, we got to go ahead and take a break. On the other side, we've got more jazz announcements. The, the jazz just announced their mini camp, or their summer league roster, excuse me. So we'll talk about that as well as talk about their approach to the free agency so far, i.e. no signings, not really going after the big-name players. That's coming up next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. Analytics and opinions on the Jazz and the rest of the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 100. All right, welcome into the Salt City Hoops Show on ESPN 700. Andy Larson, Ben Dowsett joining you. Uh, thanks again to Nate Duncan for joining us on the show. Always love to have him. We we threw him on at the seven o'clock hour because that was when he could join us. And and you know every every we'll, we'll do whatever it takes to have Nate on the show because yep. he is so knowledgeable about every facet of the NBA. And you know it, to the point where he can talk about each team intelligently, like the Jazz, to to you know the level that that you and I do, just focusing on on the one team. That's, so that's a serious, pretty skill. impressive. There are very few people that can. It takes a serious time commitment. And he's a lawyer too, so yeah, yeah. he's got, you know got a good day job too. Yeah. Um, want to want to talk about the Jazz's summer league mini camp roster that was just released while Nate was on the phone with us last segment, and uh, just kind of want to talk about it. Our initial impressions on this kind of new news that's coming out. Uh, first of all, eighteen players on the summer league roster. Uh, kind of naming off the the top names for you: Jack Cooley, Bryce Cotton. Dante Exum, Olivier Hanlon, Rodney Hood, Grant Jarrett, Chris Johnson, Trey Lyles, Brock Modem, you've heard of, and Nick Wiggins, who is Andrew Wiggins' little, or actually older and worse brother, Um, along with about six or seven other non-Jazz roster guys. Uh, Some other trends about this roster, uh, there's only one player under 6'4", that's Bryce Cotton. There's no players over 6'10", no centers on this roster. Uh, I think it's actually interesting. You know, having 18 players on this mini camp roster means a couple days of really good competition between these 18 guys. They can let a couple go. You know, they're not going to bring 18 guys to the Jazz Summer League, and they're not going to bring 18 guys to Vegas. But maybe you can split them up between the two summer leagues and send, and have a 10 to 11 man roster for both places, and kind of learn the most you can about I- each of these 18 guys. Is that kind of what you think is going to happen I here? Do. Like we'll see all 18 of these, or almost all 18 of these guys at one or the other at least, and then we'll see some guys at both. Yeah, I, w- I would bet that you know at, we'll see you know 15 or 16 at least of yeah. these guys at, at one or the other, 
And, and then, you know, I, I would be surprised if they didn't bring Dante Exum to both unless yeah. he just dominates the Utah Jazz Summer League and, and you know, doesn't need to play in, in Vegas. Right. But I think, you know, any any experience kind of helps Dante Exum. Uh, but, you know, maybe you don't need to see eight Summer League games for Rodney Hood, for example. Yeah. You know, maybe you don't need to see that from Chris Johnson, who's, you know, 20, 25 years old, kind of, you you know what he can do in the league. Um, but it, I, I think it's it's going to be, honestly, first of all, this is just like an excellent Summer League roster in yeah, terms yeah. of just talent. In terms of having eight players who are on the current Jazz roster on yeah. your Summer League roster, that might be a new record. I mean, the Sixers' summer league roster is not very good, as, and they basically play D League players all eighty-two games. They're bringing um, <laughs> they're bringing Jaleel though, but they are bringing Jaleel, so that's good. Uh, but yes, nevertheless, this is this is kind of the roster I think Jazz fans wanted to see. Also, you noted that there's no Elijah Millsap on the ro- this roster. He's the only kind of non-guaranteed guy on the roster who we, we thought might come but isn't on this list. Yeah, and that was noted by our own Dan Clayton as well on uh, on Twitter just a second ago. That's where I ripped that from, so thank you, Dan. Um, yeah, eight, I mean, eight from the roster, you have to feel like if most of those guys are either in Utah or in Vegas, they're going to win most of those games probably. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I want to I wanna read some of our tweets um, okay. from – from the last segment, you know, some of these questions we, we got through Dan from sorry through Nate Duncan and, and got to ask him a couple of the questions. Mentioned Halsey Calderon. Thank you, sporadic regularity. And by the way, as always, if you want to tweet us, tweet us at Andy B Larson or at Ben underscore Dowsett. Randy Rundlesbacher asks, how can the Jazz both make the playoffs, which is their stated fifteen sixteen uh, goal, and, or and not make any significant roster changes? How can they do both of those of those at the same time? I think that's a that's a reasonable question, and you just have to look at the last two months of last season and say, well, they were on a nearly fifty win pace at for those two months. If you extend that into a, a an entire season, that is you know fifty wins is probably good enough to make the playoffs. Bringing Alec Burks back plus basically every player in your rotation, you expect to be better than they were last season after a full off season of development, or at least all your major pieces, right? Like you expect Gobert to be better, you expect Hayward to be at least as good. Favors can improve some things. Definitely Burks, definitely Exum. Um, yeah, I think I think that's not so not so unreasonable. Now I will say that the the playoffs is more of a goal of I would say Rudy Gobert and the the players and the coaches of this roster mm-hmm. than it necessarily is of the front office. You know, obviously the front office wants to do as well as possible, but I think they learned that just going for the eight seed is not that exciting. They want to build a title contender of the future. You know, kind of a long term title contender. So what they have in mind is that they want to develop the young guys so that they can be the core of this long-term title contending roster without you know, taking away minutes from them by signing a shorter-term old player, you know, someone like a Bellinelli, for example. Right. Um, another question from Jordy Wynn at 12FTWBball. Uh, Elijah is not on the roster, as we mentioned. Does that mean he has a guaranteed spot on the team? I'd say that's pretty safe. Yeah. For as much as Dennis Lindsay has talked about Elijah Millsap's contribution, as much as he played last season, as good as he was defensively last season, I think he just makes so much sense on this roster to have that kind of defensive uh, impact player. He he showed enough to make the roster next season, nearly no matter what for me. And you know, this is you know this isn't a guy that shoots very well, and I've been critical of his jump shot, but he does basically everything else at a pretty high level on especially as a defender he's a very very good wing defender one yeah, of the best I, in the league i don't know if he's like a great distributor probably not but you don't need him to be any like super hot player yeah you don't need any super great shakes there because you've always you're always going to have other guys on the court whose job it is to do that while he's out there 
But, you know, we have seen many crazier things in history than a 27, 28-year-old guy raising his three-point percentage a few points before. And if that happens and he's in the mid-30s, all of a sudden this is a pretty dang valuable player at under a million a year non-guaranteed. And and even if he doesn't, he was so good at pick-and-roll defense last year. Literally, as you pointed out in your article, one of the top five pick-and-roll defense players in the year – of the year last season, mm-hmm. I, I I think you know you just keep him for that skill if not. Uh, Jameer Ryan S at Monkey Sandwich brings up Jameer Nelson as a mentor role. I will say that Jameer Nelson is probably not a mentor type of player. Not the first one I'd think of. Um, yeah, and so ultimately, I and is not good enough to say yes. He's a definite upgrade over Trey Burke, mm-hmm. um, especially with another year and an, another year older. I I just don't think that makes a lot of sense. We did also have one from Riley O'Brien. What is the one thing you want to see next week at Summer League out of Dante Exum, Rodney Hood, and Trey Lyles? I'm only going to answer for Exum. want to see his handle. So I've been saying to anyone who will listen recently, I really want to see what he does in traffic with his dribble. Yep. What about you, Andy? No, I, I think that is the number one thing for Exum. And to the coaching staff's credit, if you you know, I, I talked to Quinn Snyder last Friday about what it is specifically that they're working on, and they are working on those exact sort of things. Uh, his his balance, his ability to kind of shoot and finish off of one foot in the lane ar- around traffic uh, because he was so, so hesitant to do that last year. Basically just everything around traffic. Everything while there's big people close to him and he has the ball. Yep, and that is that is indeed exactly what they're working on. Yep. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's a good sign. It's only been two months since the season's ended, so you can't say, you know, I, I expect world-beating progress from him. But some progress here against lesser players, you know, non-NBA players with no non-NBA size, I, I think is going to be a a bellwether for how well he does in, in year two. Yep. Uh, Rodney Hood, I just want to see complete domination. I mean, yeah. quite honestly, he... He should he score whenever an, he wants. He had an up-and-down summer league last year and, and sometimes flashed that. But at the end of last season, he showed that against NBA rosters. I want to see that at the summer league level for as many minutes as they play him... Yep. I don't. I don't know that he will play. You know, thirty minutes a night in, in summer league, just because I think he he kind of did establish himself pretty yeah. well there at at the end of last year. I wouldn't even be shocked if you were right and he only played in the Jazz summer league and didn't even end up playing in Vegas. It wouldn't shock me. Yeah, Trey Lyles. What do you want to see from him? That's an interesting question. Um, in per, you know, if he plays in the Utah one, I'm really interested to actually see if they give him some minutes against Jaleel. I want to see we you know with the proprioception term that Dennis Lindsay used after yeah. the Jazz drafted him about his balance. We I want to see him never fall over ever. If he falls yeah. over, it's a failure. If this guy ever loses his balance, I totally lose my trust in Dennis Lindsay. Yeah. No, um, I, I would I wouldn't mind seeing a few plays of just like, hey, let's dump the ball down to Jaleel in the post and let's see how Trey does on him. Not that he's going to be able to stop a guy like that consistently, but just if he has the strength to even be in the building with hmm. him is kind of what I'm. I want to see if this is a you know, and not that I don't trust the Jazz, but I want to see kind of this balance and, and center of gravity thing on display see and I don't, I don't know if that's one of my top priorities because quite honestly I, I don't know how much of post defense he's going to be playing in in the modern NBA that's true the position that's so, very true I want to see I, his shot as well uh, yeah I mean I, I want to see a a decent mid-range jump shot that has some range you can you can kind of imagine it maybe some corner three attempts I'd like to see him yep. do uh, I, I'd also just kind of like to see him kind of take advantage of, of the other skills, I guess, that, that Dennis Lindsay mentioned, especially the things like leading the ball and transition, uh, making the right pass, making the right decision right away, Put him and kind of seeing how he fits into Quinn Snyder's offense. I mean, Quinn Snyder actually won't be coaching the summer league. It'll be Alex Jensen and Mike Wells um, coaching each individual part of summer leagues, but 
you know, they're not going to play another system while they're out there. That's it's going to be the Jazz read and react system that we all kind of known and love. And as a and as an extension with kind of the whole team, something that it, it is, I think, pretty clear that we may see a good bit of based on the rosters that they're bringing here is I want to see some more small ball with this team. I want to, and particularly with the Lyles types and the and and Exum and Hood, the guys that are we're actually looking at to be real players for the the actual NBA team in a year or two. I want to see what it looks like when those guys play in four out lineups and in in much smaller units. Maybe put Jack Cooley out there and he can sort of uh, whether or not he ever actually makes it in this role in the real NBA, he can kind of uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for there? He can project that or yeah. act as that role essentially um, for a little while. I want to see what they look like when they're really spreading things out, really picking up the pace and that whole thing, just to see what they look like. Yeah, no, that's a fair thing. And, you know, with that, like you say, without any centers, you can you can do the kind of pace and space offense that Quinn Snyder talked about running last year. I, I don't know that they'll be able to do it that much just because they have Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors who aren't, you know, traditional right. speed it up sort of guys. But maybe that's your bench look is to be able mm-hmm. to do that. Maybe you have some small lineups with with Trey Lyles at the five or you know, Trevor Booker at the five, and that I think sounds that's, crazy, but it's not. With I don't think so, and you know, I think Draymond that, Green playing the five last year. I think that's the long term. The, the one of the things the Jazz are looking at long term with Trey Lyles. I wrote about it in my piece about him last week. That that I I think small lineups are. He could be if he hits a lot of his ceiling points here. He could be kind of a perfect, almost not a Draymond, but of, of a pretty perfect small ball guy who. He's big enough to not get beaten up by bigger guys, but also quick enough that if other teams are going small against you, he can combat that, right? So Yeah. National buzz is starting to even develop around the Summer League roster. Zach Harper at Talk Hoops for CBS Sports says, Utah Jazz Summer League roster is stacked. Sam Vesany, also CBS Sports, says, I'm going to enjoy writing this preview. People are excited for the Jazz Summer League once again. Nice. I, I mean, first of all, that the Jazz Summer League exists is, yeah. is fantastic. And and on, I, we were going to talk about this later, and still will. But the success of the summer league is is incredible. That they're oh. opening up the upper bowl because they they've sold out too many tickets in the lower bowl. That's that's incredible. That's awesome. Something they didn't see coming. I mean, so there are eighty nine hundred seats in the lower bowl. Last year, the most attended game at or most attended day at Las Vegas Summer League only had eight thousand and seventeen people. So like. They've already sold. They've more already than sold more than the Vegas Summer League with twenty-four teams with this like piddly four-team thing in Utah. Huh. It's I don't know. It's it's really impressive to me um, for an event that's kind of like I don't want to say thrown together, but you know, quickly put together with with the four teams that would come for Jazz fans to come out and support this event. There are going to be over hundred. I heard around one hundred and fifty credentialed media so far for this uh, for this tournament. You Where know, are we all going to be? Yeah, they have to open up new media sections for us and new media rooms and new buffet rooms even, and, and it's going to be a little bit crazy. But I applied early. I demand great seats. <laughs> we'll see. I, I, I don't know it, how good how we stack up against like the NBA.com writers and, and the you know ES, I guess we are ESPN.com. First come, first serve. That seems fair. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and take a break. On the other side, we, we want to actually talk about this jazz free agency, yeah. this tactic, if you will. Of, of not signing anyone, um, and whether it's a good or not, bad move, because I think we have a lot of thoughts on that. Let's, let's go ahead and do that next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. I'm Andy Larson with Ben Dowsett, as always. We want to talk about the, the Jazz's plan here. You know, a lot of fans are upset. You know, you have all this cap room. Why aren't you trying to spend it on somebody? And and I think that's fair. 
uh, you know, before I don't know if we knew for sure that that was the plan. Uh, you know, just because they didn't sign anyone in the first 24 hours doesn't mean that that's necessarily that they're not going to sign anyone for the the two to three month period that is free agency. Mm-hmm. But then Dennis Lindsay went on uh, 1280 today and and had some interesting comments. Just kind of reading them to you. Sorry, what was that? Oh, well, regardless. Uh, want to say he said sorry. Go ahead. There was a call today. Oh, sorry, wrong quote. I had a conversation with Rodney Hood yesterday. And we've tactically decided to stay out of the free agent wing market in a big way. I was very interested to see that quote from Dennis. Um, I really thought that even if that had been the case, what we would have heard publicly would have been more of a, well, you know, we we did our due diligence. We had the requisite conversations and nothing came together, even if this kind of was the route they were taking. I was and but you know what? It expresses a, a lot of confidence in his in the players that he has. And while I don't necessarily 100% agree because my opinion is that you don't, uh, I don't nec- know if I'm necessarily as convinced about Joe Ingles and Elijah Millsap as maybe it sounds like Dennis is. And with that in mind, only ha- you only really have Hayward, Burks, and Hood, and even Burke and Burks and Hood, you don't a hundred percent know if they're going to be great down the line. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I don't think that you're necessarily killing those guys' development by maybe bringing in one more wing, especially if they have to then work harder to compete with that guy and to get their minutes. Sometimes I actually think that's a good thing in the right situation. But even if I don't fully agree, I do think that this is, I mean, the, as a way of going about saying it, I actually prefer it to them if this is their strategy to them kind of being uh, you know being less open about it i prefer this way because well, yeah, then that shows your guys that you've got a ton of confidence at least they're talking about it and then exactly you're like look you know we're we're going to be playing you 30 minutes a game next season mm-hmm. you you better bring it you know that's this we're we're really relying on you and I guess my thought there is that if you don't tell guys that and you instead tell them, well, here's another guy who's going to compete with you for these minutes, some, for some guys, it makes them work harder. And, and now that's Dennis knows these guys way better and, than we ever could. And so. some guys it doesn't. You know, exactly. Some guys yeah. are Ennis Cantor and then you know give up on their team from their own admission because their role isn't to their liking. Yeah, and Dennis knows these guys better than us, so I, I trust him to make those sorts of decisions. Yeah, well, and I, I I think that's fair. I also think that they like the fifth and sixth, or the fourth and fifth wings, I guess, on, on the roster as mm-hmm. is. That would be Joe Ingles and, and Elijah Millsap, more than I think a lot of fans realize they do, That to the point where they don't know that, say, Marco Bellinelli is a is an upgrade over Joe Ingles, or a, a much, of much of one, just because they, they believe in Joe Ingles' ability to shoot a little bit better than he did last season in, in his second year in the league. And quite honestly, play defense. I, and I think that's that's something that we don't consider enough. You know, I don't know that Bellinelli is a good defensive player. Mm. I don't know that Darrell Wright's a good defensive player. I don't know that like Mirza Teletovic is a good defensive player. I think sometimes we look at the just the the phrase that the Jazz need shooting, and I think that's something that everyone across the board agrees with. But they need shooting that can do other things, and and they honestly think that it's going to be easier to get that shooting from developing the players that don't have great shooting records right now but can stay on the floor in other ways rather than acquiring someone who who can't stay on the floor because they're only a shooter. So your broad translation here, and this is something you've tweeted in their last 24 hours or so, is that you would be very surprised if the Jazz signed anyone who essentially they didn't already have the rights to. Yes, yeah, I would be surprised if anything happens in the next week or two weeks that, that doesn't involve the names Tibor Pleiss, Raul Neto, Joe Ingles, Trey Lyles or Trevor Booker, and you know all of those guys. The Jazz have rights to. Uh, the only one that's 
you know, kind of an outright free agent is Tibor Pleiss or, and Raul Neto, but those are overseas guys. Is I it mean, looking like Pleiss gets done? Are we, I, are... Yeah, I would say just, I mean, kind of top of the head, Andy's opinion percentages on whether or not these deals get done, I would say 80% Pleiss, 80% Jingles, 100% for Trey Lyles, obviously. Uh, I would say there's an 80% chance Trevor Booker's on the team next year, and like a forty to fifty percent chance Raul Neto. Is. Oh wow, that high for Neto, huh? Yeah, I'm kind of surprised at how much they like him. I mean, I, I, he, he regressed at the end of last season, at least from what I've, from the stats I've seen. You know, I'll be oh, yeah. honest, I haven't been watching all twenty games of Raul Neto's season what? last year. Uh, but he turned the ball over significantly more in his new team and shot the ball way less good from from the three point lane yeah. range. So. I, I you know I think it was twenty percent from the three point. Yeah, it was something. Season. It was in the twenties for sure. So that's that. That to me, that sort of regression doesn't say bring me over to the NBA. Now's now's my time to shine. I don't know that he's an upgrade over Bryce Cotton. I don't know if he's an upgrade over Olivier Hanlon. And you know that means that you have kind of five potential point guards among Exum, Burke, Hanlon, uh, Neto, and Cotton that you can only really sign three of. Okay. Yeah, and I and Booker as well. I don't see Booker. I mean, assuming that they were correct about these the, their opinions on these moves, it's hard to see Booker going anywhere unless they see a great trade opportunity. I guess. Right, and, and quite honestly, I I don't know that they will. I mean, to me, the best trade opportunity was today when Jared Dudley's all of a sudden yep. on the market for a future second. The Jazz have like infinite future seconds. That would have been awesome. And uh, you know, Jared Dudley is a player who gives the Jazz a lot of what they could do. Could play a little small ball four. Could shoot a little bit. And I think, honestly, he, he mentioned today that there was a call today that I didn't expect, but it's hard to balance asset accumulation upset not against not upsetting team chemistry. I, think it might have been I that. bet it's that call. I bet that was the call. I mean, I, I, this is just like me putting two and two together, but that just makes so much sense, right? A team that wants to dump salary looks at, looks at the Jazz's books and says, huh, you might need a wing. You also have space to take on $5 million. Let's see if you're willing to give up anything. And, and it looks like the Jazz weren't, which is which is kind of crazy. Like I to will me, that's kind of like the defining moment if if that came to pass. And they, I, I'm not yeah. sure that it what's, did. But. What's Dudley's salary like four and a half million or yeah. something? If they were really offered to be able to do that for a second round pick to take a future second to take on his, and they didn't, I will say that would disappoint me seriously if they didn't do that because that they should have done. If they had the opportunity to, and like I said, I don't know. I mean, this is this is all within the last. Yeah, couple that's hours all speculation. That this, this is one hundred percent speculation. But, I'm not actually sitting here saying I'm disappointed in Dennis Lindsay. If that exact thing actually happened, I would question it a little. But it is a trade that actually did happen in the league. Yeah. So. Yeah. I I mean, could the Jazz have beaten that second? You know, they could have given two second round picks, and I don't think it would have been an outrageous uh, cost. So anyway. Uh, and, and honestly, they're just putting a lot of trust in Dante Exum too, which which impresses me. I mean, and, and scares me a little bit. I got to be honest, because the kid's nineteen, but they're they're putting so much, I guess, emphasis on him developing into the player that they imagined he could be. That I, I guess uh, I don't know. He he almost has to work out for this for this rebuild to go well. Yeah, and the quotes from Quinn Snyder the other day were were about sort of Dante's insides, if you will, which is kind of a weird way to put it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but about that he, you know, he thinks Dante has the stuff to be a, a, a what the Jazz expect from him here. And he, he doesn't think that what we saw last year is necessarily a representation of what he's going to be always. Right, and, and, and he shouldn't be. I mean, it's his, his first year. But yeah. if he doesn't improve, then the point guard situation looks really bad. And that being said, they have plenty of money next season to sign someone, plenty of assets to trade for someone if they want. 
Uh, but, you know, next season, if, if Dante Axum is bad, this season, uh, defenses are going to lay off. It, it's going to be a little bit ugly. That's the, num- it's the number one thing I'm looking at going forward next season. And we'll see some of it next week in Summer League. All right, so next next segment, we're going to be talking about all the deals that have been signed around the NBA. 25, 30 or so deals that we'll be talking about. That's next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. Talking hoops and the association. This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoops Show. My name is Andy Larson. Ben Dowsett joining me as always. We are the editors of SaltCityHoops.com, the ESPN Troop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. I swear every time you open up, I expect to hear you say Andy B. Larson, and you never At do. Andy B. Larson. <laughs> Andy Blarson. I, I mean, I wish underscore was like a thing that could be in your name, but... You know, <laughs> the Andy Larson Twitter handle was taken, and... Um, you know, you have to make sacrifices. Do you, you know other Andy? Do you know other Andy Larsons? No. Two Ben. There were two Ben Dowsets that added me. One from Australia and one from I don't know somewhere else on Facebook like a year ago. That, they they added you on Facebook. Yeah, they, like I had never met them in my life. They just like found me because we had the exact same name. It sounds name. like an Australian name. Yeah, I think it. at least one of them was Australian. Maybe both of them were Australian. Why actually. would anybody with the same name add you? Because if there's another John LaFault in the world, I would want to pretend he doesn't exist. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the only one. You're a special snowflake. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know if if I was the other Ben Dowsett, the the evil twin out in Australia, I I wouldn't want to add you because <laughs> I'd want to think I'm the only one. But maybe See, not. Maybe and, it's a Ben thing. And my goal is just uh, so long as I have a, a radio show and a media presence, if you will, I am the top Andy Larson. And that, that's really my goal is just to be the king of the hill of Andy Larson's and let Depends all of my slaves, followers. yes. They will say it <laughs> all on, be- on, below me. On this man's tombstone, we'll say no one Andy Larson like this Andy Larson, <laughs> Andy Larson. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's really the, the ultimate compliment. All right. Let's <laughs> talk about the NBA. Um, there, there have been so many moves over the last, what is it now, 40 hours since, since, since midnight? Mm-hmm. I guess it's. 46 hours since free agency technically began. Uh, we we want to talk about all of them. And rapid kind of, fire. Yeah, talk about them rapid fire. Some of them we can just mention, say, yep, nope, cool, good deal. And some of them we kind of want to break down a little bit. So that's what we're going to do is kind of tell you what's changed in the in the NBA scenario, what which players have moved, whether deals were good deals or bad deals, kind of teams' futures moving forward. And you know if they're if these kind of players are are impact players or if they're kind of mad deals because I think we've seen a little bit of both. So and far. how the movement may or may not impact the Jazz in a couple of cases. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you're interested, go to SaltCityHoops.com and read a great piece from David Smith today about that exact thing about how many of these moves have impacted the Jazz. Indeed. All right. Um. Let's get started. Let Let's start with kind of the big one. Uh, Kawhi Leonard. Yep. I I think that's. I mean, you can you can make an argument that maybe the extensions with Damian Lillard or with Anthony Davis, uh, you know, those contracts were bigger in terms of dollars and maybe bigger in terms of names. But uh, in terms of new contracts that will take effect next year, Kawhi Leonard's number one signed a five-year, ninety million dollar contract with the San Antonio Spurs. Fifth-year player option, if I'm not mistaken. Correct? Yes, yeah. correct. Uh, and, and first of all. That's been coming for a long time. Yeah. It was just kind of a how long of a deal would they sign. I think it's a good piece of business by the Spurs to keep him locked up for a minimum of four years, yeah. up to five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's just so good, so young. Yeah. Let's move on. Kevin Love, 
five years, $110 million with the Cavaliers. This was not at all a sure thing. No. And for him to come out on day one of free agency and say, look, I'm staying and I want to stay here long term means a lot to a franchise that gave up Andrew Wiggins for him. Absolutely. You know, this is, the, and I think this is going to change the way a lot of people think about Kevin Love as well, which I think deserve, I think he deserves that. I think he took a lot of a, of a bad rap because of people making up rumors that he never actually said yeah. during the regular All he said, if you actually look at the quotes Kevin Love said, all he ever said was, I want to be back and play for Cleveland next year. And that only intensified in the playoffs. And he got made out to be a villain who was about to run for the Lakers. And that, you know, I think we've clearly seen this is this free agency has been an example of this, that a lot of these guys want to win, especially guys that have been in the league for a while. And even with the Lakers, Come calling, you can be the next big thing here, and you can spend your whole career where you're from and everything. He'd he'd rather hang out in Cleveland, which kind of sucks as a place, and he'd and he'd rather do that because he wants a better chance at winning some championships, and he believes in the culture there. Yeah, I, I think that is impressive, and and that's to me uh, shows a lot of maturity and 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 really. Okay, let me ask you this: the Cavaliers, Warriors, obviously two very good teams this year, two very good teams next year. Who's your favorite moving into next year? Can it be the Spurs if they sign Lamarcus? Uh, uh, of okay. those, of those two, though, honestly, probably the Cavs by a little if they can keep everyone healthy. Hmm. I, okay. I really think that that team, especially with another year that they've coalesced now, that we saw that I think we saw near the end of the year the LeBron and Love connection was starting to get there a little bit. Yeah. They were really starting to kind of feel the way, each, and LeBron needs that. We saw that in Miami too. As great as he is, he needs time with guys to know what they're know what they're doing and know what they're about. Another year of that with Kevin and with all the rest of those guys that they've got there to keep that that sort of synergy. I, I think they have to be. They might be one of the best offenses ever next year. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's going to be an interesting and scary scenario. Draymond Green got five years, eighty five million dollars with the Warriors. His max, so good for him. Good on the Warriors for no, that wasn't his max, was it? I thought it was eighty five million dollars is a lot of. Well, I thought it was just short of his max, and I was going to say good on the Warriors for getting him, but also good on the Warriors for locking him up for the full period and not letting him take a shorter deal. Agreed. Uh, Jimmy Butler, five years, ninety five million dollars with the Bulls. Same thing. Really good on them for getting him for the full. It is a player option on the fifth, if I'm not mistaken, but still really good move by then because he could have done the same thing. He could have said, "I want out in 2017." President Obama even liked that deal. That's yep. a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> although Butler will be making much more than the president in terms of pure salary yeah. moving forward. I think that's that's funny. But anyway, Brooke Lopez, three years, sixty million dollars with Nets. To me, that one's like a little bit man, but. Given that they had no other way yeah. to get talent, um, you, they almost had to kind of resign him. Just they're like, in like they're in the same place as the Clippers are with DeAndre. They have no way of replacing him if he goes somewhere yep. else. So you might so as well just overpay him and awesome. screw it. Yeah. Um, Tim Duncan returning to the Spurs. They haven't like agreed to a contract or anything, but I think that's just notable because he's you know Tim Duncan. He Watch them just not tell us. Like we're just never going to tell. We've decided that not only is our co- are we going to make coach salaries non non uh, disclosed. Yeah. We're just not going to disclose these players. Well, salary. I mean the the teams don't disclose them. It's guys like Eric Pincus it's, it's yeah. that actually go in and Mark Deeks who actually go in and and look at the salary cap sheets that the NBA distributes to all the yeah. all 30 I know teams, that was but, a joke obviously. They, okay. they yeah. you have to release Tim Duncan's salary, but it would just seem like a very Spursian thing to try and do <laughs> to just hide how much he was being paid. Brandon Knight, 5 years, 70 million dollar contract with the Suns. What do you? Th- I'm interested in what you think of this deal because I and a lo- I, I think Knight is a little more divisive than some people might assume. Yeah, no, I, I I don't know how good of a player he like he is, right? I mean, he's to me, first of all, he's you're giving a ton of money to that backcourt now with oh, yeah. him and Eric. But so what's I, that a combined number per year? It's like twenty. 
25 plus, yeah. right? Like yeah. even more maybe. Like so that's interesting. And and quite honestly, I I just am not that convinced that he uh, I don't know. It, it's it's a good deal in that you get to keep talent in Phoenix and uh he is he is a legitimately good player. He's a young player. You you may get some more development there. But I, I don't know how much of a offensive difference maker he is for a as an efficient player, I guess I should say. You know, I, I think he does a, a lot of things well. I, I don't know that he does anything excellently, which hurts his, his upside. Yeah. Some reasonable, reasonable three-point okay shooter. I'm okay with it, but not... Yeah, exactly. He's a reasonable three-point shooter, reasonable, like, passer. Reasonable you know, defender. Reasonable defender. But that guy for $70 million, you know, maybe if he's young enough, he can improve and, and become a... He is still only 23. One of those. Now, he was but, pretty bad in 11 games for Phoenix last year, but that's only 11 games, and their season was in kind of a really weird spot right. at that point. But, um... Yeah, it's a, that's I think that's going to be an interesting one to, as a kind of a litmus test for this this cap explosion. Like he's a guy like that. Well, like he's not worth that much on this year's deal, no. I don't think. But it, if he becomes worth it over the with the cap explosion or not, Goran Dragic kind of kind of a similar deal. In fact, involved in the same trade, five years, ninety million dollars with the Heat. Uh, yeah, they, yeah, same thing. Dragic old. The, the Heat kind of again had no choice if they want to uh, keep their you know, get anything for the, the unprotected picks they sent out in February. Yep. Danny Thanks. Green, four years, $45 million with the Spurs. Such a bargain. I could not believe that that happened. Like, I kind of shouted out in the newsroom on <laughs> in KSL when <laughs> I heard about that deal, and it was it was kind of bad. But just like, what? How? 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 How do the, the Spurs do this? Danny Green... Danny Green legitimately left like thirty million dollars on the table. He He could have gotten the four years, $80 million, no, no problem. And uh, didn't because the Spurs are wizards. Like, we really may never see another professional sports franchise as good at this as the Spurs are. Why? Like, how? I don't. I. I don't. I, what? They're just. A it's team. unbelievable. It Do was unbelievable. Have... I can't believe that they managed to pull that off. That's re- that's just really impressive, and it speaks to you know clearly Green wanted to come back there. I think the yeah. the you know I don't even know if anybody else got a meeting or a phone call with him. We don't but know like, that for sure, but like that you know. Awesome, great Jimmy stuff. Jimmy Butler wanted to come back to the Cavs or to the to the Bulls, and and I don't know. Chris Middleton wanted to come back to the Bucks, but it's here truly, they are paying more money. It's truly a remarkable thing, you know. For as much as we talk about it, I don't know that we'll ever actually necessarily be able to fully define how they've how they've come to. I don't even know if they could define it. Like if you asked R.C. Buford, how has this happened over the last twenty years? Like how have you brought this on? He he would have words for you, but I don't know if he could fully. <laughs> describe how they've come to the place that they're at now where they're just so much more efficient at this than everybody else. He would have words, but he wouldn't be able to put them together in a, in a, in a sentence. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Really impressive. Danny Green is awesome. Greg Monroe, three years, $50 million with the Bucks. That, to me, is like the first legitimate surprise, I think, out of this list. Um, Probably, Where yeah. a player moved teams in, in a surprising way. Um, what do you think about that deal? I I think he's he's such an interesting fit for them because he's not the defensive player that really formed their identity last season. Yeah, that said, I don't mind the fit though. He is the kind they needed a guy like him who can get a basket when you need him to, who they can maybe kind of try and craft some offense around him in the post at times. They needed a rebounder for sure. Their rebounding hasn't been very good. Um, I think they were like in the twenties last year somewhere as far as a, a defensive rebounding team, if I'm not mistaken, and. You know, I think they're going to try and do a lot of uh, a lot of stuff with him at center, which you know I think they're going to they may get rid of Henson. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah. And then I think they're going to look to try and play those where almost like those Heat 
teams with LeBron where it was like, we know we don't have rim protection, but we have so many athletes and so much like switchability and all that that we're just not going to let you get to the rim. Because they, I mean, they survived last year without a real, mostly without a real rim protector, right? Because Larry yeah. Sanders was gone, base, and they had the second best defense. I think they can have a a piece like Monroe, who you know sometimes you may have to hide him or you may have to do some things, you have to finagle some things so that he's not killing you defensively. But he gives you so much flex on the other end of the floor that I think it'll be worth it because they've still got you know six eleven or whatever he is Giannis, and they've still got Middleton, who's a, a million miles long, and they've mm-hmm. got Carter Williams, who's long for the point, and you know, that and Jabari coming back as well, who can play the four. I, I think they'll be able to survive with it. I'm, I'm intrigued to see how this look goes for them. Paul Millsap is, you know, has been the rumor of much jazz discussion. Although, quite honestly, that was never. Yeah. And, and I, I don't, I don't think that was ever a real thing. I'm gonna be honest. Like, I, I, it's just, I, it didn't make any sense for really either side. And sure, it was nice of Paul Millsap's agent to spread the word that he would come to Utah just to, I don't know, get more. I, I, I don't know that this came from Paul Millsap's. Agent. I was gonna say my thought is that actually that it probably came from somebody with the Jazz who, who was then slightly taken out of context. Somebody with the Jazz who basically said, well, yeah, if he was interested, we would make the call and yeah. we would try and see what's up. Because of course they would. But he's an all-star. But like, that's not the same the as... Yeah, but that's not the same as the Jazz are targeting Paul Millsap. Like, that's that's a very different thing. Right. Um. Anyway, signed a three-year $58 million to stay with the Hawks, like both you and I kind of thought he would. Yeah. Again, it's a bet on himself, though, because he could have signed a five-year deal... Instead, only signed a three-year one with with the last year as a player option, so he can opt out of after two years when the cap's at one hundred and eight million dollars, and he could make up to thirty-five million dollars. I believe his max would be at that point. I love how confident um, he is about himself. He's going to be thirty-two. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I I don't know if he actually can get that. Um, I don't know either, but I love that he's confident enough about it that he's like, screw it, I'll be thirty-two. I don't care. I can still get the max. Well, it's <laughs> it's weird because uh, Zach Lowe pointed this out. He's really kind of the only player who's who's really taken that tact. Um, yeah. It's been not only this year when I think some guys are doing it, but especially two years ago when he did the two-year $19 million deal to sign with Atlanta in the first place. Yeah. Again, that was a big bet on himself. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm i curious to see how it goes. You know, Worst case, look, it's not the worst thing in the world. He's still made $90 million in his career. He's going to be okay. But if he, he's also leaving you know, probably $50 million off the table from signing these shorter deals. You really hope that he holds up. Nothing happens before then. Uh, Chris Middleton signed for five years, seventy million dollars with the Bucks. Great deal. Uh, yeah, and, and he's so funny because he's one of those guys where Jazz fans kind of talked about acquiring him in January and February for like eight or nine million dollars a year, and then all this buzz started with him. You know, he was he was the darling of the Sloan Sports Conference, for example, just because of his top ten um, placement in adjusted plus minus or real plus minus, I guess, as the ESPN stat is called. Uh, and really, just kind of continue to show his skill. He's so young. He's so good. It's it's a good deal for the Bucks to keep him, and for slightly less than the maximum. And a great job by them. Of ju- this is one of the ones that I t- fully agree with them jumping on this right away to not let him take an offer from somebody else that may have had you know a, uh, three years with a fourth year option or something like that. They get to keep him for. The- Although I do think it has a fifth year option, if I'm not mistaken. Still, I mean, either way, it's it's still I, I think yeah. a, a relative. I, I, I wouldn't call it a bargain, but it's it's a much better deal. It's than, a fair market value deal, if yeah. not slightly better than market value. And for middle on Middleton's side, he gets to get out if he wants when he's twenty seven, which is still ex- wow. just enough enough time to sign another great deal. Yep. Uh, Demari Carroll, four years, sixty million dollars with the Raptors, is now Toronto's highest paid player. 
former jazz man. I feel like we, we have some level of like ownership because we, we rescued him from the bad situations in Memphis and Denver and brought him in and gave him playing time for the first time in his career. And, and he flourished somewhat in the backup role for the Utah Jazz. But and then, then they let him go. Let him go. <laughs> and, and honestly, the reason they let him go is not because they didn't like Damari Carroll. They like a lot about what he did on the floor. It's just that, quite honestly, they were trying to tank the Dante Exum year. I mean, not, not tank in that they were you know dribbling the ball off their foot out of bounds, but they were trying not to get non-essential talent um, in order to get a higher draft pick. They were trying to not be in the middle, essentially. Right, right, exactly. That's the best way to put it. And so that's why Demire Carroll wasn't a jazz man then. The reason Demire Carroll's not a jazz man now is four years, $60 million. Do you think that's an overpay? Um, I mean, maybe 30, a little bit. 32 he, by the yeah, he life. is kind of old, and I, I feel like maybe this is the best of what Demire Carroll has to offer. We've already seen. Probably. Um, but I, I don't hate it just because what he does is so important to teams. I, I don't know that I would have paid it with if I were the jazz. In fact, I would say that I wouldn't. Uh, but... For, different for situation the for Raptors Toronto, yeah. or uh, even the Hawks to keep him, I think, four years, 60 makes some sense. Yeah, it's probably about right. I mean, somebody was going to give it to him if these right. guys weren't. I mean, clearly, right. since they did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thaddeus Young, four years, $50 million. This strikes me as like a too fairly much. yeah ridiculous overpay for Thaddeus Young, who just three months ago was traded for you know non-starter Kevin Garnett as just kind of a salary dump sort of thing for yeah. Minnesota. Uh, but it's another one of those things with the Nets. They years, almost didn't have a. Cho- they almost didn't have a choice. You know, they kind of just had to keep their people, in a sense. Not that I. I don't agree. Uh, with you're that. Thaddeus Young people. Yeah, I no, don't I know, know that it does anything. It's no. not like he has trade value now, right? Like, no, no way. I would. Ne- I wouldn't have done that deal. But um, yeah, that's. I don't know about egregious overpay, but it's definitely an overpay. <laughs> and I wouldn't have gone for years. I would have tried to get. I would have yeah. tried to get out of it sooner if I was them. Yeah, no, I, that's maybe their problem is that they have so many guys on yeah. giganto long term deals that you can't even see a future where they escape this kind of. Yeah, in fact, actually, in the, I've have decided the thing I hate most about that deal is the number of years. If they had done the same monetary value, but just for two years, I'd have much less of a problem with it. Yeah. Monte Ellis, four years, $44 million with the Pacers. He's an interesting fit there, I think. Um, kind of Lance Stevenson-y kind of from two years ago, in, in my mind, and what he may be able to do off the dribble a little bit. Um, obviously, can play him with George Hill, and Hill can take the tougher guy defensively. Yeah, not I, he's not as good defensively. You know, no. Lance, Lance is pretty good on that side of the ball, but... Uh, I, I think he opens up some things for their offense that they weren't able to do, especially if they really are going to go to this like pace and space thing that that I guess Vogel wants to do and and dump Roy Hibbert and and I mean there's there's been a lot of weird talk about how Indiana is going to be changing next season. Yeah, does this is there any chance whatsoever that this makes Hill like even slightly available? Probably not. Right? No, I I mean maybe, but again, you pointed out then who guards the best wing on yeah. I mean, maybe Paul George, but then who guards the best? Small player. I don't know. I, I think George Hill's kind of their guy. He should be. He's really good, and he's not paid enough as, as much as he should be. He should be their guy. But <laughs> there were there was the Zach Lowe article a while back that I kind of latched onto a little bit, and I was hoping that Hill might be a possible target if he yeah. wanted to move in a new direction, but he, probably not. And quite honestly, they're not. They're as we've talked about. They're not going to acquire a point guard who makes a lot of money because they want to give those minutes to Exum and Burke and yeah. Cotton and Net- Neto and, and Hanlon, like we you know, like we mentioned. They're betting on the young guys. Hill's too old for this roster at 28 years old. A guy can dream. Um, 
Jay Crowder, five years, $35 million from the Celtics. I, I saw some hate for this deal. I don't think no, it's crazy. Not I, at all. Know. I think that's I think it might be an underpay. I, I mean, it's five years for a player who's relatively, I think he's 28, 29. Are there, oh, um, I didn't realize he was that old, but are there any options on it? I don't know. Uh, yeah, let, let's go ahead and find that out. I'm but quite out. honestly, five years, $35 million, with or without options, I, I, I think it's a good deal. I, I like what Crowder does. You know, he's, he's not as good as like the, the Middletons, the Carols of the world, but he does give you some nice things. I'm not seeing anything about any options at the moment on yeah. real, on Real GM. I'm not. Maybe they didn't include. I didn't. It, I didn't see anything on it. But anyway, Tyson Chandler, four years, fifty-two million dollars with the Suns. This to me is the first deal that like really changes a Western Conference contender. Yeah. And I, I like what Chandler does. I, I I could see him as part of like the the pace and space Phoenix Suns and kind of being their rim protector down low. Uh they're kind of doing the opposite of the Jazz in that they have this young guy in Alex Len who they kind of believed in and played pretty well this second season, but they're going to be taking away those minutes for Tyson Chandler. I think he might end up getting moved as well. I wouldn't be shocked if, Len, at least yeah. if it happened. Yeah. Um, four years is a bit much for a guy that's 32 yeah. and has had some health concerns before. Um, but, you know, I think they're they're... There, sometimes you have to do that for a guy to get those early years where they, you know, I think these next couple of years are it for them. They're trying to, they're they're trying to kind of bring that whole crew together and see if they can make something in the Western Conference. And, and the Suns somehow have like the the best training staff That's ever. True. You know, yeah. so really Tyson Chandler could play until he's fifty, and somehow they'd be able to figure <laughs> out how to get his cane attached to his leg so he can still move around the court quickly enough to. Play well. So yet know, you know, yet another team here that's going to be tough in the Western Conference. This that's the thing. Year. Like if if they sign Lamarcus Aldridge, they're they're a playoff team next season. Maybe. And it's hard, really. You even you're just going to maybe like Lamarcus Aldridge gives you five wins at least, right? And that's good enough to get you into the playoffs, right? I'm not willing to. F- I, I don't want to fully formulate my thoughts there just yet. I'm not like a thousand percent sure that that's a playoff team yet. I, I mean, not a thousand percent sure, but that's more than a hundred percent. No, I'm just kidding. But like, I, like I'm okay, here's like what I'm, I'm actually sure. I'm actually going to say the following on the radio, and I'll probably get basted as a homer for it. I'm not sure that team's better than the Jazz next year. I'm not. Really? I'm not sure. I, I didn't say they're definitely not. I said I'm not sure that team's better so than the Jazz Bledsoe, next year. So Bledsoe, Knight, uh, Aldridge, Len, Chandler, PJ Tucker. No, Tucker's gone. Or no, Tucker's wasn't part of the trade today. Right. Right. Uh. I, I just the think lesser that, Morris. Yeah, no, Markeith's better. Oh, they go, oh, they go. Oh, the greater Morris. They've got the greater <laughs> Morris. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a playoff team. Well, I say I I probably the better than the Jazz. It's gonna a lot depends on what happens with like Exum and a couple how the Jazz a couple of the Jazz guys develop. I'm just not willing to go full, to the full point of saying that team is better than the Jazz. And with okay. if they don't get Lamarcus, which I still don't think they're going to, if they don't get him, definitely the Jazz are better. Yeah, I, I agree that with that. Like Lamarcus Aldridge. To me, it would be the first player, though, that I take in the draft for next year, you know, where you kind of draft between two players and decide who's number one, who's number two, who's number three. Okay. LaMarcus is my number one guy. I'd probably then take Hayward second and Favors third. And then probably... Gobert. Gobert fourth. Bledsoe, probably Knight fifth. I don't know. Who would you Something rather have like between that. Bledsoe and Knight? I, this is like so non sequitur. Probably but. Bledsoe. But yeah, um, that's close, I guess. No, I'm, this is, we, we're going to have to do this in one of these weeks upcoming or even later on in the summer. We're going to kind of have to talk about this Western Conference picture once we know a little bit more about it. It's really intriguing. You know, we could, Portland looks like they might be on the way down. Dallas, maybe, depending on who they get. 
Um, it could be interesting, right? J Money thirty three thirty four notes that Crowder is actually just twenty four, not twenty eight. Like I said, uh. my bad. Um, I think I was confusing him with Demari Carroll, which you which makes sense. That's They're us. like similarly dreaded people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my bad. That's fair enough. I did think he was younger than that because he just recently got drafted. Yeah, no, that that's a fair point. Uh, we still have so many more left to go. In fact, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll we'll continue this list on the other <laughs> side. We still got like fifteen or twenty guys left. That's coming up next on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN seven hundred. Analytics and opinions on the Jazz and the rest of the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN seven hundred. Welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN seven hundred. Before we get back to the list of free agents, Ben has some exciting news. Oh gosh. <laughs> Okay, I just noticed, you guys, that I actually have half as many Twitter followers as Andy here, so that was was really, really exciting stuff for me. You are at least half as important as I am. Yeah. As measured in Twitter followers, I have less than a number of people that I wish I had more than, so... And I consider myself more important than those people. Like, <laughs> basically every Laker fan, for example. So are you saying that I'm allowed to consider myself more important than you, even though no, I still have... No, you can... Uh, just I'm 50% isn't, in, isn't a good... I, well, hello, I still think I'm Mr. more important than you, Fancy Mr. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's good. I'm managing editor. Yeah, that's true. Rawr. <laughs> Sorry. No, but I, I think Twitter followers is not necessarily the best representation of famousness i guess not all, um, especially when you suck at twitter like i do well <laughs> you don't suck at twitter but they're they're like i said like laker fans like any laker fan that has like used the hashtag lakers before instantly has like a thousand people follow them from like flea to uh, magic johnson random laker fans that somehow spread across the world but we are going to do an lol laker segment later yes we are not this segment though let's keep going with the list of free agents where were we? Ed, Ed, <laughs> Ed Davis. Yeah, Ed Davis. Three years, $20 million with the Blazers. This, see, uh, I always thought Ed Davis was this good, was, was MLE good. Yep. And so I was very surprised the last season when he was bargain basement minimum salary guy for the Lakers uh, and, and played well because, you know, that's how good he is, is he's an MLE guy and got his MLE deal with the, with the Blazers. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's a nice little... Uh... Nice little deal for them. They they it's like a fallback type thing, right? Yeah. If, if Lamarcus ends up bolting, which is still a very distinct possibility, they strike out on everyone else. He's a serviceable player. You've got it a good contract. You can put him on the NBA floor. Yeah. No, you're not going to get crushed all the time. Do it all day. Um, Iman Shumpert, four years, forty million dollars worth of Cavs. Overpay, but the same thing. Necessary overpay. The same thing that's happening with with Delvadova here soon. I'm sure. Same thing that happened with Tristan. Tom- is that is the Tristan Thompson deal official? Yeah, it is. It is. Okay. Uh, at least was. Uh, I, I I think it was. Uh, it's five not on years, eighty dollars. Oh, we should add it to the list. I don't know if they ever we'll actually one hundred percent finalized that. But... I mean, none of these deals are actually actually yeah. finalized because they have to wait until the end of the moratorium. But you know, if it's been reported by one of the big reporters out there, the Wojes, the Steins of the world, no, the most done. the most recent is that they are reportedly apart in contract talks. I think okay. yesterday that five years eighty was floated, but then I don't know that it ever, anybody actually ever confirmed that they've agreed on that. Deal. Gotcha. So that's interesting. But I you assume that's what's going to happen. He's going to get yeah. overpaid because they can't replace his talent if he leaves. And they're already like so massively far over the luxury tax that it's like screw it. And they and they're yeah. Dan they're Gilbert's money. gonna Dan Gilbert's gonna pay like 140 million dollars in in cap and tax for that team next year, and, and it's going to they're still gonna make money. Because, wildly profitable. Yeah. I mean, what is it? One playoff game isn't like a million or two in in profit. Yeah, I mean, it depends because the NBA takes a certain percentage out, and it depends on you know. Obviously, you can sell finals games for more than first round games, but yeah. anyway, 
that's a separate conversation. Yeah. Aaron Aflalo, two years, $60 million with the Knicks. My thing with this is everyone thinks Aaron Aflalo is good, and I'm not convinced that he is. Well, it's cheap enough that if he's not, you're not, <laughs> you're not crushing yourself <laughs> yeah, that's on fair. it. Um, everyone thinks that he's like a good defensive player and gives you some things on offense when I think he is kind of the other way around. He's a gives you some things on defense but isn't that good and is you know a decent serviceable offense player who can actually create for himself. He can go in the post every once in a while which is good for a guard. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, I mean they probably paid him about what he's worth. Paul Pierce, 3 years, 10 million, 10.5 million dollars with the Clippers. I just love Doc Rivers as GM. It's so great. It's just Celtics West. Like, yeah, just sign every old Celtic that might be able to come over, and then anybody who's ever played well against you in a limited role. Like it's it's great. I I love the Clippers. now Pierce was great for a long time. We'll yes. see what he can bring for the Clippers. Was there any part of that that's non guaranteed or option or I don't anything think like so. that? I think it's straight. Boy, the third year of that it won't cost yeah, much, but the third year of that he's going to be so. creaking around like that's no, yeah, but you know whatever. How old is he? Whatever. I, I don't know. Like. Even if it, you know, if that were a two-year, ten million dollar deal, I don't think we'd we bat an eye, right? No, probably not. I mean, so. the, the guy is thirty-seven, so he'll be forty by the end of it. Yeah, that'll this will probably be where he ends his career. Yeah, Brendan Wright, three years, eighteen million dollars with the Grizzlies. Great, great deal. deal. Yeah, <laughs> we jinx each other on it because, but yeah, it's it's that great of a deal. Brandon Wright is a plus-minus star. Is very good on and pick and roll is is a very good underrated player. He's a that serviceable I defender love on too. The Grizzlies. He's he's a good two way player. I don't get how this guy doesn't get more play because he's you know he's no superstar, but he can play both ends of the floor. He can make a shot when you need him to. He can he rebounds well. It is just that he's played twenty minutes a game in his career rather than thirty to thirty five, and and that keeps his totals down, and I really think it keeps his free agent value down. I'd like to note by the way that I nailed. The range of his uh, his contract range in my Basketball Insiders piece earlier this week. I mean, week. It, it's that sort of insight that you're half as many Twitter followers yeah, as me are, that's are how looking that happened. for. <laughs> that, is, that is how that happened. And I missed Tyson Chandler by a mile. I was low. I it was bargain free agents that I was writing about, and I don't think twelve a year for Chandler is quite a bargain. Okay. Um, <laughs> Alfred Camino, four years, thirty million dollars with the with the Blazers. A lot of people pan this. I don't mind it at all. Like, I, I I don't really think it's that below or that above market of a deal. Do you? But if it's above market, isn't it a bad idea? I don't even necessarily think it is. And I think that they know that they've got to kind of get certain uh, dual. Uh, first, they've got to get an insurance policy in place for if their guys leave. And second, they've got to have guys around them if their guys come back. And I I, I don't mind it at all. I think he's a, he's a great defender who, you know, he's not a very good jump shooter, but... You can't. Sometimes beggars can't be choosers. At a certain point, I let think. me ask because they're going to be Aminu's going to be getting about the same number of dollars per year as Aaron Aflalo. Who would you rather have between those two guys? Totally depends on the team. Probably, I guess, in a vacuum, Aflalo. If you're Portland, if you're Portland, they already had Aflalo. Well, uh, right. So you get to choose one or the other. Uh, is Wesley Matthews back? No, probably not. Um, you know um, as much as they do. Probably, actually, probably Aminu. They okay. already have they have an offense no defense guy already okay. in Lillard who they just maxed out to a massive yeah. extension. So okay, yeah. no, I, I just you know that's the question. Those are the sorts of questions that NBA GMs have to answer. Yeah, uh, Omar Sheik, five years, sixty million dollars with the Pelicans. Way too much. Last year is a non guaranteed. Um, so you know you look at that. But as far as what a Sheik does, I agree it's it's too much. He just is a, a nothing offensively other than offensive rebounds and screen setting. He's he's kind of like the the. I don't know. Kendrick Perkins is harsh, but he's kind of Kendrick Perkins-y and, and a, a taller Kendrick Perkins there. I've heard worse I don't know that he fits with Alvin Gentry's offense or what they want to do, but apparently 
Gentry thinks so, because otherwise they wouldn't have signed the deal. Yeah. Amir Johnson, two years, $24 million with the Celtics. I like it. I, I actually might. If you could get him for that rate at per year, I might have tried to get him for three. If, if I'm the Celtics, because he'll only be 31 if you get him for three. At, at right now, he'll be 30 by the end of yeah. this deal. Um, I like Amir. He's, okay. I, he can do a lot of things. He's not a fearsome rim protector or anything like that, but he can no. do it. He can shoot the ball. He can make some plays putting the ball on the floor. I, I like him as a player, and he'll be, you know, it's too bad Boston never has really any actual, like, star players to put up because <laughs> he's, I think Amir would be the type of guy you ever put him on like with a true superstar, you ever put him on a yeah. LeBron team or a Durant team or something like that? He'd be one of those guys that everybody would be like, "We want this guy on our team." He was on a Chris Bosh team. Oh yeah, well, but that was before Chris Bosh was like Chris Bosh. No, he was. No, I feel like Chris Bosh was more Chris Bosh. I guess that's true. Yeah, in Toronto, than he was Chris. Bo- this is such a weird thing to say. Than yeah. he was Chris Bosh in Miami. <laughs> Chris Bosh has been Chris Bosh the whole time. But He's having an existential crisis here. He looks like a raptor. Okay, he needs to play on the Raptors. I feel strongly about this. Yeah, I hope he goes back there to end his career. Chris Bosh not being a raptor is a bummer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mike Dunleavy, three years, $14.4 million with the Bulls. To me, this is such a good deal. Like, yep. Mike Dunleavy, I don't understand how he doesn't get more love. Like, he's he's feisty on defense. He's not the fastest defensive player in the world, but he hustles. He dies for loose balls. And then on offense, he's a shot maker and is, is not terrible at, like, passing the ball off in, in terms of finding open shots for his teammates. You know, he's not a drive-and-dish guy by any means, but... He uh, to me, I don't see a lot of difference between him and I don't know Jay Crowder or Damari Carroll for that instance. I think Damari does well. Defense, defense a little is better, the but... difference, but okay. Uh, okay Jay Crowder question. then, sure. Question or uh, Aaron Aflalo? I would rather have Mike Dunleavy than Aaron Aflalo. Aside, putting aside the things that we that that Dennis Lindsay said today and some of the things you found out yourself. Putting those aside just for a second, would Dunleavy have been the type of guy you might have liked for the yes. Jazz? Because from I yes, me as well. No, I, I agree. A shooter, feisty defender, uh, isn't going to be upset if you only play him 10 minutes a game. Yeah, to me, I, I like the idea of Dunleavy, but oh well. Whew, Sacramento is actually offering $16 million annually for Wes Matthews for a total of a $64 million four-year offer. Oh, so three forty-five was an underpay. <laughs> wow. That's a lot of money. to Even with the cap, that's a lot of money to pay a guy coming off the most devastating injury in sports. Yeah. That's a, a lot of money. Uh, anyway, who's next? <laughs> Kyle Singler, five years, $25 million with a Thunder. You know, $5 million a year is a pittance in the, in the modern NBA. Yeah, it's not bad. I don't mind it. Nope. Uh, yeah, I think kind of any guy that you can pay that is, is going to be like a reasonable or at least dumpable deal. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Baines, three years with the Pistons, though. Uh, three years, $20 million with the Pistons. Is that right? I, th- I believe that's correct. It, uh, it doesn't say it on our list. I'll find it. Hold on. Yeah, so I, I, to me, I'm with Nate Duncan here earlier on the show. We had him on at the 7 o'clock hour. To me, that's one of free agency's biggest overpays because uh, he got the full MLE and is not that sort of player in my mind. I, I, don't, I struggle to name things he does well. I don't know if he helps you. I, he got toasted in the playoffs. I don't see how you how Stan Van Gundy looks at him and says, "Oh, you know this guy. This guy can really help us." I I think he's more of a, eh, this guy we can replace with D League players. But you know he's getting only four million dollars less than Danny Green is per year. So That's nuts. here we are. That's nuts. <laughs> Jonas Drebko, two years, ten million dollars with the Celtics. He's someone. What's that? Another good deal. Yeah, I think that's a good deal. I think that's another guy like Mike Dunleavy, uh, who the Jazz could have gone after. I, I think, honestly, would have gone after had Trey Lyles not been the pick. Um, yeah. If you get a wing in and at the draft rather than a big, then I think you need a third or fourth big signing, who, someone who can shoot, 
think Jonas Drebko makes a lot of sense there. He showed some good things in his last couple months in Boston. I think he's one of those guys who, after this two years, you might see him get a, a lot of interest. I mean, he's going to be 30, but you you might see him get a lot of interest from some contender, like some teams that need to add one more type of piece as a contender. You know, I mean, the guy yeah. shot 40% from three last year in Boston when he was there. Yeah. Like, Alexis Zajinsa, uh, four years, $20 million with the Pelicans. Again, $5 million a year for a guy who does something well, i.e. rim protection. And, and honestly, he is a pretty decent like mobile pick-and-roll defender. Not not great, um, but he can stay in front of guys a, a little bit. Uh, and so I, I, I think that deal makes some sense. I, yeah, I don't get paying him only five and a chic ten on that's, the same team. That was how, what I was going to say. In that context, I don't get it. But in a vacuum, it's fine. And they did the Agenda deal first, for what it's worth. Okay, but. well, in that case, you're good. Then that just makes the uh, the Ashik thing a little more inexplicable. But, yeah, yeah. But you know, your 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 own team, you'd think you'd be able to coordinate that a little bit better. Um, Walter Tavares signed a multi-year deal with the Hawks. He's an overseas prospect. Uh, we don't know how much that is for yet. Dwayne Wade signed a deal, uh, one year, twenty million dollar extension with Miami. That one's interesting to me. Yeah, I, I, you know, he could have signed a longer deal for less money per year. Uh, he's making a big bet on his health next season, which has been pretty uh, questionable for the last three seasons. I, but on the other hand, if he is good, he's going to make twenty-five million dollars per year in the in the new cap. I think he could have leveraged them for a longer-term deal with about this money. Honestly, with all the sacrifices hmm. he's made in recent years, and their like we said with a bunch of other teams, their inability to fix anything. If he left, they really didn't have any options. If he decided to bolt. Um, I think they maybe could have tried to hold him on the hook for longer. I, I, but yeah, I think basically that this was one that they discussed on their the on the the Nate Duncan podcast that I was referencing while Nate was our guest earlier. They did a mock free agency for the, yeah. for the year. They discussed Dwayne Wade, and I think what they came to was actually something right around this, where he took a one year deal with a you know a wink wink promise that afterwards they were going to retain him at like an eleven to twelve million a year salary for two years. And then when he retires, like the Heat do with everybody, when he retires, he gets to, you know, enter the front office, and that's where they recoup that money that he sacrificed over the last, you know, whatever he gets years. to own the team or something. Yeah, something. I mean, I, I I don't know. I, I think he's he's still good enough on court when he plays that, like, the money makes some sense in my mind. I mean, I, I think he's he's still a really good player. He is. I mean, but the you know he's a really good player who only plays sixty games a year. Yeah, is something that you have to consider. Yeah, so. no, I, and and maybe this is the right roster to only play sixty games a year with with Goran Dragic there, with Luol Deng, with now uh, Justice Winslow, Chris Bosh, Hassan Whiteside. Like they have so many possession users that if Dwayne Wade's out a game, it, it's not actually all that terrible for them. And the advantages of doing it for the Heat, doing one year for the Heat, is that they have to extend Whiteside next year, but they don't have his bird rights because of the way they signed him, meaning they can't go over the cap to sign him. This means that they'll be able to get Wade's money off the books first if they wanted, so they can sign uh, Whiteside and then fit Wade back in, basically. So, good move for Miami, actually. Yeah. Uh, Shane Larkin, two years, $3 million deal with the Nets. Um, It's Shane Larkin. Meh. I mean, Eh. eh. I don't think he'll actually be good. I don't think he is good, but... For a million and a half, whatevs. The extensions, Damian Lillard, Anthony Davis, both max extensions. Anthony Davis is, is like huge. He will be the highest paid player in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Woohoo. Which is good because he's the best player. So that or will will be one of the two or three best players. Yeah. I yeah, I agree. He's just signing his deal at the right time, but he's worth whatever you can spend on him. And quite frankly, Damian Lillard's pretty close to that sort of level as a player. I mean, he he's not a good defender, but he's so young and can do so many things that he's he's you know you have to give him whatever it takes to stay on the team especially with all the chaos they've had yeah he's not that young you know he's almost 25 
Okay, but like, so he's good. Yeah. You so you wouldn't give him the max? No, like, no, no. I'm not saying I wouldn't give him the max. If you're Portland, you have to. You, so, you absolutely have to. Okay, give him the max. so what, I'm uh, just saying that if I was a, if I let's say he had been available on the open market and I was another team, he would not have been the first one of the first people I was looking to give the max to. And in fact, I don't know that on an open market I would have signed him to a max at all. Who would who would you have given it to instead? I mean, well, that's besides, a, like Anthony that's, Davis. That's a loaded question, but well, like I, I do worry that like you said, he's he's literally one of the worst defenders at his position in the league, and he took a big dip last year in his three point shooting. Yeah, which made me on a, a ton of attempts enough. For but you to a, again, if you if you have a max contract, and this was a situation for fifteen teams, what you know, why aren't you again? And it's an extension, so it's not like he was a free agent. But what else are you going to use max max cap space on? You know, you you have the option between using that on like Demari Carroll or Damian Lillard. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I mean between those guys, yeah, obviously somebody like Lillard, but or uh, Kevin Love or Damian Lillard. I mean, Love, I, okay, quick. really, even real quick, even with the age difference and everything. Yep, yeah. Kevin Love's not a great defender either. I know, but he, I know. So sell me on it. There's too there's too much into it for me to explain. When we have to go to a break anyway. I <laughs> man, right, Portland fine. fans, I don't I don't hate your team, Portland. Just so you guys know, I I kind of last week I was lukewarm on whether I'd want no to one's... pay Aldridge a long term max. Like it, really, you don't remember that or two weeks ago I was lukewarm on whether I'd be when he's 34, whether I want to be the guy paying him 20 plus million. Man, you're crazy. I guess so. <laughs> no, I I just think that like if you're paying all these other guys maxes, you got to pay Damian Lillard and Lamarcus Aldridge a max. Yeah. Yeah, you do. I'm just saying I might not be thrilled to be the one doing it. I'm not saying you don't have to do it. But I'd I'm be just... thrilled doing the max with them rather than, again, the Damari Carrolls of the world. Fair enough. Okay. Anyway, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll continue the argument there. Uh, on the other side, we've got our, our favorite segment of the week, as always, LOL Lakers coming up. It's been a fun struggle for them in free agency. We'll laugh <laughs> about it next on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoops show. I'm going to cut off D. Bizono and his famous How Utah Jazz you, theme sir. song. D. Bizono, if you're still out there, like, I want to talk to you. I, I want to know what your motivations are, I why a, you I built a, the Utah Jazz theme song. I got a 5,000 word feature ready for you. Just. Just I'm give not. Me a call. No, I, I just want to. I just want to chat. <laughs> I just want man to man. Tell me, tell me about the Utah Jazz theme song. How are the lyrics invented? I, I mean, I want to have this conversation with Gordon Hayward about Too Big Yo too, but I've always been kind of too afraid to ask. Maybe that him. should be my goal this year. Maybe it shouldn't. <laughs> ben Dowsett kicked out of the Jazz locker room. <laughs> because Gordon he Hayward would not prevented. Stop asking me <laughs> questions about. <laughs> Too big, yo. Uh, <laughs> All right. Anyway, it's time for LL Lakers. Let's cue the sound. All right. It's been too long. It has. It's been like a solid month at least since LL Lakers. Uh, you know, because the playoffs were happening and they weren't part of it. And then the draft happened and, and they actually turned out well with the, with the second pick. Um, but luckily, free agency is here to save us and nobody wants to go to the Lakers. Most notably, LaMarcus Aldridge. Had a meeting with the Lakers on, on day one of free agency, and unfortunately, it did not go well. Uh, these tweets courtesy Mike Bresnahan, uh, who's a, a Lakers reporter. LaMarcus Aldridge will not be joining the Times, or not not be joining the Lakers, sorry, the Los Angeles Times has learned. They were a 50-50 choice, but he disliked the basketball part of the presentation. 
Aldridge was floored in a good way by Houston's analytics and their on-court projections and their presentation. Not so with the Lakers. More LaMarcus. He and Kobe didn't quite gel. It's a little vague, but Aldridge apparently didn't quite get the answer from Kobe he was seeking. Well, what is it that Kobe said, you might ask, Ben Dowsett? I did ask that. Well, Kobe spoke for about three minutes in the presentation and said he envisioned LaMarcus Aldridge working with him in the same way Pau Gasol did. Well, it's not 2009 anymore, Kobe, but Mm -hmm. regardless... Lakers, like it or not, need to beef up their basketball analytics. They've fallen behind. They're stuck in the old school way of thinking. But it's not just LaMarcus Aldridge. Fear not. Kevin Love also turned them down. Yep. No, you know, and he's a former LA guy. Went to UCLA in college. You know, I think really wanted to go back to California. Except the Lakers are such a mess, and and yeah. he would just never win another basketball game again. Um, the Lakers actually had to delete delete tweets, by the way, about that LaMarcus Aldridge thing. They they had some LA to LA hashtag oh, I didn't that see they that. had to delete because it's it's a violation of of the <laughs> July moratorium. <laughs> the Lakers also offered Greg Monroe a max contract, but he chose to sign with the Milwaukee Bucks instead of the Los Angeles Lakers, which wow. just goes to show how far the Lakers have fallen. It's just Milwaukee proof. Bucks are beating them for contract. It's just proof that, uh, you know, uh, uh, and I've been saying that I thought this would happen for two years, that, you know, these guys care more about being in a good situation where they're comfortable and where they're winning than they do about playing for a team that was great 20 years ago. Not, you know, I know the Lakers were great more than, you know, more recently than 20 years ago, but historical precedent for these guys is not the first thing they're thinking about. You're, you don't wake up in the morning and be like, man, my life is great because I play for the Lakers. <laughs> There's other stuff no, you're thinking about there. No, your life is terrible because you have to play with Kobe Bryant or like near Kobe Bryant and it would just be and not win any games and it'd just be the worst. Why do they keep letting Kobe come into these meetings? Like seriously, the stuff with Nash that we read about when that when he when they were pitching Nash, how he was late to the meeting, show or with no, this was Dwight. Excuse me, he yeah. was late to the meeting, forty five minutes late, showed up in sweats and a chain, and then spent the whole thing lecturing Dwight on how he needs to be a better, <laughs> a more mature adult and a better leader. And then Dwight left, and it's like, dude, what are you doing? With now, apparently they said with Nash, he was they wanted him to meet up with Nash, like in the same room before yeah. Nash came there, so Nash could you know un- make sure that he was right. That Kobe on the same was, page. That Kobe was cool with sharing the ball a bit, and that they, you know that whole thing. He's not. And Kobe basically said, "Yeah, but he has to call me." This became it became <laughs> like a two day thing over Kobe saying, "If uh, you don't call me, we're not doing it." But wait, there's more. I'm told Lake or Mark Medina. Reporting, I'm told the Lakers have expressed interest in free agents Amari Stoudemire and Jason Smith. <laughs> Those are the most Carlos Boozer free agents they could sign who are not Carlos Boozer. Is that fair to say? Yeah. But they might bring back Carlos Boozer. As Sean Hyken notes, the Lakers' second meeting, talking more about basketball, you said you wanted a better basketball focus. Have we mentioned that Carlos Boozer is a proven all-star? <laughs> that he is, my friends. Now, they did get the second meeting with LaMarcus. We, we heard that. That was today. We don't know how it's going to work or how that went or well, anything like so that. So they're having a basketball meeting and involving Byron Scott. I just don't think <laughs> it's, it's going to go well. Byron Scott is not not a helpful player to have. I don't know. Yeah. Or in, coach to have in that room in terms of new school basketball smart, smarts. If he was impressed by Houston's conversation, Byron Scott's conversation is going to be the exact opposite. And by the way, for my entire rest of my life, any of those curmudgeon folks that tells me when I bring up an analytics, well, the players don't actually care about that crap. Well, 
I beg to differ because LaMarcus Aldridge was specifically impressed by the analytical portion of Houston's presentation and was likewise unimpressed by the Lakers portion of their same presentation. This stuff matters. These guys know what matters on an NBA floor. Analytics is part of it. Get with the times, yo. Yep, we're we're in the modern era. We're in the Maury Ball, Money Ball, Basketball area, if you will. All right, let's go ahead and cut the music. Thanks, though. That was was great, though. One of my favorite LOLA segments ever, just because there was so much to work there with. There really was. There they was gave just, us, uh, yeah, some great info. They gave us a lot this week. All right, great show today. Thanks again to Nate Duncan for joining us. That was an hour one of this podcast or of this show. If you haven't listened to that show all the way through, and I don't blame you, then you can also listen to us on as a podcast through saltcityhoops.com, iTunes, Stitcher, ESPN700sports.com. Basically, we try to put it as many places as, as we can, so you can definitely hear it. Anyway, I'm Andy Larson. Ben Dowsett joining me as always. Thanks again for, so much for listening. It's the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN700.